Hey guys, you are listening to WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yasmin Yazzie Speaks Arrington on Millennial Minds. I am here this evening with Renaissance woman, Miss Shelley Washington from Baltimore. Hey, be more. Hey. <laughs> she is also a spoken word artist and financial expert. Time to get to the nitty gritty of things. Today we're talking mean green, moolah, dinero, getting your money in order, financial freedom and preparation. So if you could tell us when you first became interested in finances uh, and, and, you know, managing money. And when did you start teaching financial literacy? Oh, wow. Um, I would say that I became interested in managing money as a child. Like I um, had the fortune of uh, my mother always letting me see her budget. So I was conscious um, of the fact that she was managing her money, even though we never had a lot of money. I remember her budgeting. And if I would ask for something and I would say, hey, mom, can I have money for this? She was very transparent in saying, hey, look, we have this much money. So if, wow. <laughs> if you want to do that, then we have to take it from here. And mm-hmm. so that kind of taught me at a very young age to be conscious of how money worked and that sort of thing, That's and then awesome. when I grew up, um, when well, I was did a, you see her? Did you see her? I saw with her the, with her little pen and her pad doing her budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, the, what is it called? Um, with the, the calculator? Checks? In did the you ever see book. that? Yeah, in the, the balance. What is that mm-hmm. little the balance space? book? Yes, the we don't have those anymore because really? we have apps. <laughs> oh, I see. But but yes, yeah, so I was watching her with that, and so um, at a very young age, I I actually started saving money. Wow. Um, when how I how old? Probably about eight. Probably That's about impressive. Eight because I would I would work and I would get little you know I would get allowance, but then I would do jobs for my father. My father managed a convenience store, wow. and so I would be in there you know helping him out with stuff, and he would give me ten bucks or whatever. And then, and I made a promise to myself. I was like, I'm gonna save you know three dollars a week. You know what I mean? And I had my little three dollars, and I would stuff it in my case for my glasses because I also had glasses when I was really young. So I used my glasses cakes to stuff like three dollars in every week that is amazing (laughs) that you had those habits so young but it goes to show that you saw those things you saw money management as you were growing up yeah and that's unfortunately I think something that a lot of um, millennials and people in general don't really always have the opportunity to have like when they're growing up right most of us you know um we don't get to, we don't have a lot of financial conversations uh, when we're young. And then also when you grow up like me, I never was in a family that had a lot of money. And so when you're in a family that doesn't, that doesn't have a lot of money, there's not a lot of discussion of wealth, saving, that sort of thing. Because if you if you are barely making it, mm-hmm. you can never get to the say. point of accumulating wealth for certain things. So you never get the discussion of wealth because you're so far away from it. Wow. Um, and so that was something I had to learn elsewhere. So I really, when I went to college, um, I had the benefit of working in the development office for my school, which is where they do all the fundraising. Oh, right? They call, get you those calls and everything. <laughs> That's I love where it. all the money comes in. <laughs> okay. And so I had the benefit of actually meeting and talking to millionaires when I was in college who were like donating to the school. And so when you get around that circle, you pick up a lot of things just naturally. So mm. me, you know, little poor black girl from Baltimore, I'm now, um, I went to Temple in Philadelphia. So I'm in Philly and I'm like having dinner with millionaires and getting to hear all of that discussion. 
That's and amazing. and that helped me out tremendously in a lot of ways. That is amazing. That's amazing, Shelly. Um, very some interesting experiences. Um, so what excites you about financial literacy? Um, for me, it's just being able to do something that I think can help my community collectively grow and be stronger. I think it's something that's just missing for us. Um, but now that, you know, African-Americans are making more money and, and, and being able to accumulate more, we now have to have the skills to be able to keep that within our community and, and grow together. So it's really, I think it's good knowledge. It's helpful to everyone. And so I'm just trying to like spread the good word as much as I can. That's amazing. That's amazing. We do need that. Yes. <laughs> we need financial educators and people who want to reinvest and teach us how to do those things in the community. Definitely. Uh, so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make in their 20s with their money and how can they avoid those things? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I think it even I mean, it starts earlier than that, because I think the first choice for many of us, the first place we get into trouble is we get into debt very early. And that could start at 17 or 18 in the case of student loans, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember when I was in college, a lot of the time people were getting student loans and they were getting that refund check. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> getting that little extra mm -hmm. and going, you know, and shopping. It, it adds up. It adds up. So the first thing you do <laughs> is you put yourself into debt when you don't need it. Because to some extent, it's fine, it's fine to go into debt for your education. There's nothing inherently wrong with that as long as you can pay it back. Right, you have to be able That's to keep it <laughs> at a manageable but the gag level. Is. So the the word the rule of thumb that I give is don't take on more student loan debt than your expected salary is when you graduate from school. Awesome. So if you are studying nursing and the average nurse is starting off at fifty thousand, then you should not have more than fifty thousand in debt because that will put you in a place where your payment will be manageable. Once you get above that, you're now in a place where that payment is not going to really be manageable for you and you're going to suffer in other areas or potentially not be able to pay it at all. Okay. Um, so they can't, like in terms of loans, are they able to break those, the, your monthly payments down further? But that also means that there'll be interest on it yeah, and you'll so, be paying longer. Right. So there's different <laughs> types of repayments. So some people have just a, you know, a regular standard repayment where it's the same amount every month. You can also get an income driven repayment where if your income is lower, your payments will be lower. But typically that means it's going to take you way longer to pay it off because eventually you're going to have to catch up. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you definitely want to pay as much as you possibly can as early as you can so that it doesn't continue to grow while mm -hmm. you're making payments. Wow. That's great advice. I hope y'all are listening. College <laughs> students. I know it. I know what those refund checks, we like to spend them, but it's always helpful to put a little bit of that aside. Yeah, it's, right? it's, it's not free money. So it's don't not, don't take, you have to pay it back eventually. So do not take more than what you absolutely need. So mm -hmm. it, it cannot pay for shoes. It can pay for your tuition. I'm a little guilty of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I paid it back. it's not supposed to pay for shoes and brunch. Like, that's not what it's for. <laughs> uh, so, so on that same note, since we're talking about loans and credit, and paying back um, credit cards and credit, you know, how how does one start a lot? Like, how does one start credit? How does one build credit? You know, avoid getting like if the low, if the number starts getting lower <laughs> on credit karma, how do you bring that yeah. back? You know, so credit is interesting because credit is not something um, that you just start off having. It's something that you have to build. Right. So you start at zero <laughs> right. and you have to build yourself up. So if you've never used credit. That means effectively you have bad credit. You have yes. no credit scores. So I started from nothing. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the biggest thing that goes into having a 
good credit score is really just paying your bills on time, but you have to have some bills that showing up on your credit report. So the main things that show up are going to be loans, so your student loans right. or your car loans, a mortgage, things like that. Um, and then credit cards, that's probably the easiest type of thing to get. Um, and with credit cards, if you don't have any credit and you're not in college, it's pretty hard to get approved for a credit card. So the key there is to get like a secured credit card. And what that is, is it's basically... Um, a credit card with training wheels on it. <laughs> so, so you go to the bank and you go give the bank $500 and they give you a credit card with a $500 limit. And so you use the card and you pay it and they keep that $500 kind of to the side as, you know, basically insurance in case you were to run up your credit card and not use it. But the benefit to you is it's reporting as a credit card every month and it's showing that you went and you bought something and you paid it off and that's what you want. You don't Mm -hmm. have to buy anything big. You don't have to use the whole credit line. You could just buy a pack of gum. If you buy a pack of gum, wait 30 days, pay for the pack of gum, you're building your credit and it's the easy way to do it. I love that. This is so great. This is information <laughs> is so great. And a lot of people don't know. I, I literally had to learn um, from scratch. Um, okay. So credit and you said it's called a secure secured credit card. credit card. Yes. Okay. But you have to get that through a bank? Through a bank. Yeah. Okay. A credit card, a major credit card lent institution. So all the major banks have them and major credit card companies would have them. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so what about buying a house uh, that I know that's something I'm 24 now and I don't want to live in an apartment complex forever. Um, so what are some suggestions on planning to buy a house and like, what does that look like? What, what do you have to do? You know, how do you find a real estate agent and all that good stuff? Yeah. So the first thing to, to do is really sit back and think about if it's something that you really want to do. Because home ownership is not for everyone and not for every situation. Um, so the main person who is going to be a good homeowner is a person who has a steady income, um, a person who is fairly financially responsible and that they're able to save and manage money. So you mm-hmm. don't want to be in a paycheck to paycheck situation. And then you want to be a person that is stable um, physically and where you're going to be. Because you, if you buy a house, you have right. to intend to live to there live for there. a while. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. Because there's a lot of transaction cost in buying and selling ha- homes. Mm-hmm. So it's us- it's not going to be beneficial for the most part if you're buying a house every year and then selling it and then trying to buy. Like, that's too much, right? Okay. So if you're going to be buying a house, you really want to be there for like five. You have to feel like you're going to be there for at least five years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe three, but I would say... Five years is if you feel comfortable, you're going to be in a certain area for five years, then it would be okay to buy a home. But if Mm -hmm. you think you're going to move in a couple years, probably doesn't make sense to do that. Okay. Unless you were just trying to pick it up as an investment property sort of thing. What is that investment property? That that means you you were just buying it to rent it out to someone or to flip it. Flip it means what? Resell it? Yeah. Fix it up and resell it for a higher price than you paid for it. I see. So that's the first thing. So you first you got to figure out, okay, does this like even make sense for me to do? Am I going to be here for a while? If the answer is yes, then you got you to gotta get your credit in order because that credit score is going to drive how much your house costs, right? Really? I, yes. Oh, so not just the loan, but the cre- your credit score is going to Well, it, that, that's determine. your cost. Your cost is that monthly mortgage, right? So that monthly oh. mortgage, depending on your mortgage rate, is going to be higher or lower based on your credit score. Wow. Right? So I'm pretty assured that many of my neighbors are paying way more. For, I live in a townhouse. So everybody's house is relatively the same. Right, so relatively the same amount, um, but I'm fairly certain most of my major my neighbors pay way more than 
I do simply because their credit score might not have been a high, that sort of thing. So you can have someone paying five, six, seven hundred dollars more than you for the same house on a monthly basis just because their credit score wasn't as high. So your credit score needs to be as high as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. um, Which is the maximum? It's like nine hundred? Eight hundred or eight fifty. Eight fifty, okay. And then um this just when we're talking about credit, what are some ways that um, millennials can monitor and check their credit score? Like I use Credit Karma and I used to see the infomercials and like commercials all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, what are they talking about? But I realized that in order to as I'm getting older, in order to buy certain things and have certain abilities things I want to buy I might not be able to pay for up front I need to have strong credit so I download the app and like every once a month or they send you emails and mm -hmm. you look at it yep. but what are some additional like apps or other ways that people can monitor their credit scores yeah so what's good now this the world is totally different than it was five years ago like five years ago I mean you couldn't get a credit score unless you paid for it really mm. um, but today there are a lot of places so the, but the thing you have to be careful about is Every credit score is not the same and that every credit score is not the one that the bank uses, right? So the bank is, for the most part, using a FICO score, um, which is a specific company, a How specific do you spell FI brand, F-I-C-O, okay. FICO. It's Fair Isaac and Company, but okay. the abbreviation is FICO. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've worked in banking for like my whole life, it feels like now. And so typically banks are using a FICO score. Um, what you get on Credit Karma is not a FICO score, it's but like it's directional. Equal, equal so it should be close, right? Okay. So it's directional. It's not going to be exact, but it will at least tell you, is my credit terrible or is it great? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So um, Credit Karma is good for that. Um, Mint is an app that I love. I check my Mint app M -I -N -T? every day. M-I-N-T. Okay. Um, you check it every day? Yes. Oh. Multiple times a day. Really? Yeah, because, it, I mean, we can talk about that, but there's just a wealth of information on there. But one of the things that they give, they will give you is one of your credit scores. So the that's another thing to mention. You actually do have three credit scores from the three credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. um, so those credit scores can be different and they can be vastly different based on the information in the three different credit reports. So there's three different reports from three different agencies that have three different scores. So you've got to check all of them. The place to get your credit reports um, is annualcreditreport.com. That is a government website that you get a free credit report every year, annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com. Yeah, yeah, so that's some place where you can at least go and look at your credit reports and at least make sure the information is accurate and see if there's anything that is negative there that you need to fix. So that'll at least tell you what you're, what's being scored, and then you can find maybe one of the apps to get your score. Discover does... Um, uh, credit scores for free now on their website, like Discover Credit Card. So yes. even if you're not a customer, you can get your score from them for free from one of the one of the three bureaus. So you kind of got to shop around to figure out how to get all three bureaus because okay. there's a lot of places that will give you one of the three. Okay. Do you have to pay to get that information? No, well, there are report? places that will charge you to get it, yeah. but these are, I'm telling you the free ones. So okay. Discover. Credit Karma and Mint definitely okay, I hope y'all have, have a pen out scores. and you writing this down. <laughs> um, and then there's other places that you can, you know, always pay for them. But it's pretty becoming easier to find a free one one way or another. Very nice. This is excellent. This is excellent information. <laughs> okay. And so now to the buying a house part. So, you know, all right. So I've got my got my credit reports, got my credit score. I'm feeling good. I'm re I'm, I'm, I'm going to live in. I'm going to plant myself in D.C. I want to buy a house. Mm -hmm. Now what do I do? So now um, you've got to figure out what you can afford. A mm -hmm. lot of times, this is the a big mistake that I see people make. 
they go to a real estate agent and then they go to a lender, a bank, mm-hmm. and they say, I want to buy a house. How much of a house can I buy? <laughs> and the lender says, oh, you can buy a $500,000 house. And then they buy the house and then they get foreclosed on. Right. Oh, because they the, can't keep up. Because they can't keep up with it. You should not let a lender or a real estate agent tell you what you can afford. They not doing your monthly budget. They are going to assume that you are going to give them every penny and you're going to eat cat food. You know what I mean? They're not going to allow you to have money to take to be on vacation or to eat out. They're going to take the whole thing, right? Because they know uh, when push comes to shove, most people are going to pay that mortgage above everything else and let everything else fall to the wayside. So they're looking at it like, how much can I possibly get get out of you? Um, that sort of thing. So you don't want to put yourself in that position. What you want to do is sit back and say, okay, this is my budget. This is how much of a monthly payment I feel comfortable making and I can still live my life in the way and the lifestyle that I want to have. So you figure out what you want your monthly payment to be. Um, In advance. In advance. Okay, and also how much you can afford. Right, your monthly payment is going to ultimately determine how much of a house you can afford. Your monthly okay. payment and your down payment. So first okay. you're going to say, like, how much do I have saved for a down payment? That's going to affect how much your monthly payment is. But do, does your credit score also affect what that down payment will look like to It you? can, yes, because if you have a, a lower credit score, a bank will ask for a larger down payment as security. Right. Because right? they, your a, a credit score is essentially a, a measure of your trustworthiness from the bank's perspective. Mm-hmm. How likely is it are that you, you me, are you you're going to pay them back? Right. So if your credit score is lower, they're going to be charging you more and they're going to print, want you to put more money up front. OK. If you have great credit, they might say, hey, you just need to put three percent down or whatever. Um, but you could be asked for 10 or 15 percent or more, depending on where your credit is. OK. And then what's the role of the real estate agent? They're there to hopefully to show. To, to show you homes and hopefully give you advice on the market. So the other thing you want to look at is you want to be buying a home in a place where you foresee um, homes appreciating in value or increasing in value mm-hmm. during the time that you're going to live there. So that's another thing. You don't want to be buying in a place um, where house values are going down rapidly, unless you think it's almost at the bottom and it's about to turn around. It might be okay if it's a place that you think is about to be gentrified or whatever, you know. but you have to be conscious of that decision that you're making um, because what a, how a lot of people ended up being foreclosed on is they were what we call upside down on a house, mm-hmm. meaning they owed more for the house than the house was currently worth. And that's because it had decreased in value since they bought it. Oh, Yeah, so a home is an investment. Mm -hmm. So it's just like investing in the stock market. It can go up in value or it can go down in value. Mm -hmm. So even if it goes down in value over time, you still, you still, right, that original price tag, you still got to pay. That's what you you signed up. Right. I'm paying Mm -hmm. $200,000. If now it's worth $150,000, oh well. You said, you told the bank you were going to pay $200,000. So they're going to look for that full amount. Mm, I see. And it makes it so that you can't sell it. So, um, even if, if you wanted to leave, if you don't, if the house isn't worth what you paid for it, you can't sell it for the money that you pay for it. So that's the danger that you run. Right. Okay. Okay. So real estate, isn't there, uh, I've heard there's a program that like people who want to be homeowners can, can 
register for or there are programs in every state and county and city are they state run like are they usually there's local usually there's local government funded programs that might be to try to increase homeowners in a specific area that sort of thing i haven't i don't think there's been a national program do you uh, know any of the names do you know any of the names of the programs like locally in dc or maryland virginia not off the top of my head okay but i would just encourage for anybody whatever local you know just google it there's a wealth and real estate agents will know as well mm-hmm. um a lot of fir- especially for first time home buyers a well, lot of programs will they help to will they help at all potentially to pay towards a home or is it just some like of them education? so some of them will give you a financial incentive like i know like in baltimore um around the johns hopkins university area they'll do a lot of incentive helping their employees with down payments to buy a house near where they work wow. that sort of thing um so you can see uh down payment assistance and things like that. Most of them are just educating people on the process and helping them through the process, but there definitely is free money out there. Wow. I hope you all heard that. There's money to be had, to be used. And and for the most part, it's usually targeted for first-time home buyers or low-income, right? Right. So the the lower your income, the more likely you are to qualify for different things. Wow. Different incentives. Okay. Okay, so home ownership and then also what about retirement my grandmother (laughs) oh my goodness and I love I mean she's right she's right and I try my best um but usually the savings like if I need to it'll go into rent or something like that but what about saving up for retirement I imagine that that's something that you talk about that's like really important right yes try to tell millennials yeah it's so easy for us when we're younger to like forever it's it's so far I'm gonna be a millionaire anyway Right, but it's like, you know, your grandma gets Social Security, right? Uh-huh. We probably aren't. I mean, you don't <laughs> to, think we to will just be by honest. No, because, I mean, Social Security is going to be bankrupt within our lifetime, like by the time oh. we get there, right? So if you're like, if you're under 40, I wouldn't really bank on it. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. But if you're under 40, I wouldn't necessarily bank on on mm-hmm. having a social security in the same way that our grandparents might have had it. Mm-hmm. So um, you definitely need to be saving. But the good thing is when you're the benefit of youth is you have so much time for your money to grow. So mathematically, you know, compounding works to your advantage when you're younger. So if you put at 25, right, if you start mm-hmm. putting away $100 a month, mm-hmm. It is relatively easy for you to get a million dollars by the time you retire because that $100, oh, $100 can double a month? and triple. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at I'm not doing the math right now, but yeah, but um I think if you it's like between $100 and $200 if you start in your 20s, pretty pretty easily based on an average 9% return um in the stock market, you can get to a million dollars. It's it's relative by great. like roughly what age? By the retirement age 65 plus. Right, but if you if you wait, until, but if you right, it's doable. Definitely doable, right? But if you wait ten years, well, now you got to put in four hundred dollars. Oh, see. because you don't have as much time for that money to grow. Right, so you can never catch up to what you missed out on. Okay. No, like if you start late, you can never catch. Doesn't matter how much you put in, you will never catch up to what you could have done at twenty or twenty five or even thirty. Okay, so it behooves you to start as early as possible, even if it's a, if it's just a little bit, because a little bit now is a lot in forty years, mm-hmm. because it has time to double and triple and quadruple and whatever. Now, when you say double and triple and quadruple, is that just because of the money itself sitting there and compiling or is there like 
additional money that comes is there uh, it's called interest I don't know what it's called like yeah the so, I'm, so I'm a, so um, I'm thinking about it from a most most times retirement goes into the stock market so it's like you're buying stock and the stock is growing in, in, in value over time um, you could also put it in a lot of different places and you have interest that compounds but the average return on the stock market um, over the past I don't know 100 years or so is like eight or nine percent. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you assume that you're able to achieve that average eight or nine percent, that's where the growth is coming from. Now, you would be moving. You have to manage your money within that time or have a fund manager who's managing it in that time. But I'm assuming you're getting that sort of average rate of growth. So some people will be less. But some that's is that more. is that if you have it at a bank or if you actually have like it's, it's usually at a brokerage. Oh, see. Yeah, so you want it to be in the stock market. A bank is going to pay oh, you peanuts, see, right? So a bank I didn't know rate, this. Yeah, so banks are generally paying less than one percent interest, mm-hmm, right? So, so like a six cents, nothing. Yeah, you don't, you don't. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fine for the near term, so that's good for like the money that you need to go on vacation next year, right? So but I need if a broker. About retirement, it needs to be in a brokerage. Your your oh. you know your big brokerages. Hmm. Um, that you see on TV or whatever. Oh. But for most of us, for most people who have like, who are employed, who have like W-2 income, mm-hmm. um, the best place and first place they should go 401. is that 401k. 401k. This, I hear that all the time. 401k, it's, 401k. Don't they match? If like you're, some, a lot of companies do. So match. if your company has a match, that is the number one thing that you should be doing. You should be putting in the maximum amount that will get you that maximum company match. Gotcha. Because what your company is saying is I will match you 50% or 100% usually. Wow. Right? So usually it's a 50 or 100% match on every dollar that you put in or a dollar up to a certain amount. You will never see a 50 or 100% return on any other investment oh, in your life. No. Right? So if you turn down a 100% match on your dollar. You're crazy. You're crazy. Right? Mm-hmm. But people don't think about it. They don't realize it. But there's no other time in your life or incidents really where somebody is giving you a double your money mm. immediately. Right. right. You're doubling your money immediately. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, put $100 in every check and they putting another $100 in, right. now that you're $2 million. Already. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? <laughs> Already. So that's why. We're in the money. That's a good place to start, specifically for the match. If you don't have a match, then it's not as important because you're not getting that immediate boost. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, if your company has a match, you should put that before almost anything else in your budget. Excellent. This is really good. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, along the along these same lines, where is the ble- best place to start if you want to build your wealth? Yeah, so I think um, where we what we started talking about, which is uh, retirement and four hundred one k, that's going to be um, extremely important, just because you don't want to, you know, have to work until you die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to be in a position where you're, you know, eighty years old and you're still trying to work to pay those bills, right? Mm-hmm. So. Make sure your retirement is in order. Uh, Maximize your income that you have right now. Get some side hustles, right? Like we don't have... Uh, I'm about to hair, y'all. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. Hairs, t-shirts. You gotta have multiple you know? hustles. Like I got, I got a full-time <laughs> job. I have a company that I run. I love it. You know yes. what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing poetry shows. So you have to have multiple sources of income. Yes. To because the average millionaire has what six, seven sources of income. Wow. Right. So you don't build wealth from doing one thing. Mm-hmm. You build worth wealth mm-hmm. from doing many right. things. Right. Which is why I feel like now we're seeing a lot of, which I think is a beautiful thing. Like for example, Rihanna and Gabrielle yes. Union. They're starting in Lala Anthony and people. They're starting clothing lines. They're starting fat um, beauty lines Absolutely. and like having multiple, multiple streams of income. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So that is super important. And then being um, conscious about your spending. So I think of it this way when I make uh, my budget, right? I don't, so a lot of people come to me and they'll say like, oh, well, I have, you know, after I pay all my bills, I have like this much extra to do X, Y, and Z. Get rid of this thought of you have extra money at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, be conscious about all your spending. Give all of your money an assignment. If you know that you're making X amount of dollars, mm. you should know where all of each of those dollars is supposed mm, to go. Give all your money an assignment. Mm. Give it an assignment. I like it. Yeah. So that's this is this much supposed to go to my savings account mm-hmm. every month. Think mm-hmm. of it that way. So then, when you're tempted to buy that extra thing, you like, have oh, to make oh, a decision. Oh, I oh. got to take it from somewhere. I have to take this from my savings account in order to buy this. Do I really want to do that? So that'll help hold you accountable. I'm here with Shelly Washington. If you could also, uh, Shelly also teaches courses uh, for anyone who wants to improve their finances. So if you could tell us you have a website. Yeah, the best way to connect with me is um, through social media. So you can go to the advisory store on Facebook, facebook.com slash advisory store. And you'll see a lot about my um, company on there. And you can actually book time or book a class with me right on the website. Amazing, amazing. Or on and the Facebook page. And social media? Um, yeah, on my, my social media is at Shelly Says So in most places. S-H-E-L-L-Y-S-A-Y-S-S-O. Mm-hmm. So Shelly Says So everywhere or at the advisory store on Facebook. This is your host of Millennial Minds, Yazzie Speaks, on WERA 96.7 FM LP, Arlington, Virginia. Till next time, peace.